I'm Lissa Mia Smith. And I'm Anna Mercier. And you're listening to Turning to Story. As writers, we've experienced the triumphs and heartbreaks of the publishing industry, from endless rejection to dream book deals. Through it all, we've learned to embrace the one thing in this chaotic industry we can always control. Our craft. Good. That was pretty good for us. Yeah. That's pretty good. Take 32 might have been the right like, one. <laughs> it only took us uh, an hour to get out 20 minutes. That's okay. 20 seconds I'm sure the rest of the part. podcast will be way easier. It'll be <laughs> so much easier. So hello, Anna. Hi, Lissa. How's it going? It is good. How are you? I'm doing okay. I am very curious how you're going to introduce ourselves. Um, How I'm going to introduce ourselves? Um, well, we can do this a couple of different ways. We can do the like normal way, which is you just tell us everything about you, or, um, I can try and play guessimal with your whole history and you can call me how wrong I am. Um, (laughs) but much like, uh, the song from Justin Timberlake and I'm pretty sure Madonna, we only have four minutes to save the world. So (laughs) you have seven minutes. I like it. I like it. Okay. Maybe before we play an intro game you know everyone yes. loves a little icebreaker game as they're hanging out with us right um before that maybe we just talk real quickly about what the heck we're doing here okay fine, fine. you're right i jumped a little ahead of myself no that's okay that's okay because i'm just really excited i'm excited to be here uh so i think the philosophy the reason why this podcast um exists is because Both of us have two similar philosophies and two similar understandings of the publishing industry. One, it's hard, um, impossibly, impossibly hard at every level. So if you're querying, it's hard. If you're on sub, it's hard. If you're writing another draft after sub didn't work out, it's hard. And then the other philosophy we have about that is uh, you can't, do we we curse on this podcast? Are we cursing on this podcast? We are. So if you have young listeners in the car right now, just you know, earmuffs. Yeah. Okay. Um, the out of this shit that you deal with, the only thing that you can control is the craft, and it's the only way to find kind of stability in the stormy seas of this industry that makes no sense, and the numbers are all made up. <laughs> Yeah, I think you summed it up really well. Like we we'll get into it in a second, but we've both been at this for a decade. We've both been writing for a while. Um, and of course, there are people who've written much longer than us, but in our very short young lives, uh, very, very young, not really that young, but we're trying. Uh, I'm trying at least. I uh, tell that to the silver hair in my, <laughs> on my head, which I love very dearly. I love it too. So yeah, we've been at this for a while. The industry is getting dare I say worse, <laughs> harder, yeah. maybe harder is more accurate. Worse is more mm-hmm. of a judgment, but it's getting harder. It's getting harder to break into. It is getting harder to feel successful. Uh, as someone with a book out, there's still, it's amazing to me how truly every level of this journey, there is intense competition. There is uh, intense comparison. There are endless mm-hmm. ways to feel bad about yourself as a writer, as an author, yeah. as a creator. And both of us individually, even before we became friends, I think had to come to terms with, I have this really time-consuming hobby called writing that I absolutely love, 
that really could suck all of my time and effort and never make me a dollar, but I do it anyways. Uh, am I crazy? And how do I how do I keep this thing that I love and try to pursue a quote unquote career in this, so to speak? How to try to pursue traditional publishing? Let's just say whether or not we call it a career, right? Without being clinically depressed all the time. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, and even more than that, I'd say my goal and and your goal, knowing you, is to be happy to and to be content writing. Yeah, I really like the distinguish uh, like distinguishing the difference between content and happy because I think this is something we've talked about several times and we're very real with is sometimes I think people perceive trying to be happy or trying to find contentment as toxic like toxic positivity and that is not what we're about. Um I I understand that now about, you know, now that I have the clinical depression thing, like once I figured that out, it's like, oh, normal like quote unquote, normal people aren't happy all the time. It's just being content, right? It's finding contentment with where you're at Um, or being able to have skills and tools to be able to find contentment when you hit us, like hit a really dark spot. Exactly. And understanding that the best way to not only to survive in this industry, but to thrive in this industry has nothing to do with whether or not you have an agent, whether or not you have a book deal, whether or not you have... Uh, various awards or various lists, the best way to survive and thrive is to focus on your craft. It is the only thing we can control. And the better we become as writers, the more we answer to story and what's best to, to story and not to industry expectations or pressures or the comparison game. If we measure our success by a goal that we can control, which is how good we write, then we're unbeatable. Which sounds really, it sounds cheesy and it sounds toxically positive, but I'll defend it to the end. It's not. No, I'm already, uh, this is, this is a thing that I do whenever I talk to literally anyone is in my brain, I'm making notes. And that's like a thing that I'm going to put on a note card is this thing you said about turning to story, right? It's, it's the reason why we started. It's the reason why we're still going at least for us, right? I know everybody goes into writing with different goals, but I think for us, the healthy goal and the healthy thing to focus on is why we started in the first place. And for us, that is to write a damn good book and to write damn good stories and to push ourselves as artists, as, you know, I guess craft, like craftsmen, (laughs) craftswomen, craftspeople of words, right? Is just to become better. Yes, I got goosebumps as you said that. Because that's exactly it, right? That's exactly yeah. it. It's not It's not that we want to sit and be content writing. It's that we're signing up for the artist struggle. We want to tear our souls apart in a draft trying to make it better and better. And we're not simply, you know, I think that there are, there is nothing wrong with being content writing at the same level and knowing like, hey, I've really figured out this particular style book and I'm just going to do it, do it, do it and pump it out. Or, hey, I really love writing fic for this particular audience, ship, whatever it is, and I'm just going to do it, do it, do it. But ours, our goal is really uh, an incremental ladder where we are trying to, you know, my first book was here, I'm moving my hand like mid May. And I want my Uh next book, I want to master character development, I want to master a reverse arc, I want to master something new each time. Because if I keep moving that goalpost, uh, then I have something to work toward. And my books are going to get stronger. And soon, frankly, I'm a firm believer, like, you know, correlation, not causation, but the more you work on your craft and the stronger your craft becomes, the harder it is for this industry to turn you down. 
I mean, truthfully, like that right there is such a intelligent way of looking at it. And I've never, I've never really thought about it that way of you are, you are controlling the one thing that you can, which is everything that goes inside of your book and how you write it and how well you do it and how well you get your message across or whatever. And when you become a master of all these different facets of writing, you're right. It's, it's very hard to present someone with something that is quote unquote perfect or near perfect and have them say, we don't want this. Then the question becomes, why? Exactly. Exactly. And this wasn't a philosophy that we came to, you know, just la-da-da-da-da. Let's, you know, think about being Mm -hmm. happy, good writers. I think the reason that you and I feel comfortable sitting in these seats and saying, hey, let's like record ourselves talking about this and maybe some people will get something from it, Uh, (laughs) which is bold, right? Hubris. (laughs) Maximum hubris. It's because we're very high-functioning narcissists <laughs> and we love to hear ourselves talk. No, not at all, actually. Not at all. We could Listening do, to yeah. myself talk, editing podcasts is uh, my least favorite thing in the world. So, <laughs> And you and I have done some podcasty things in the past together. Um, Anna was the co-host of a Basic Pitches. A, I just like Basic Pitches. Well, let me try to get it. I almost... Yeah. Basic Pitches. Ooh, I nailed it. A publishing podcast that was also aimed at, um, you talked a lot about craft, interviewing, up-and-coming authors. Um, You and Emily Thee did a lot of really wonderful stuff on there, Mm -hmm. the best of which was interviewing me. Just kidding. See, I really do sound like a narcissist. (laughs) I'm going to tone that down. (laughs) No, I think we leave that in there and then we leave that joke in there because then people understand. Oh, wow. What a nar... Oh, she's 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 just kidding. She's just kidding. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, it was my... I'll bring some self-deprecating humor. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Just knock me down. Maybe? No. (laughs) Well, that was my – it was my first uh, podcast interview ever. It was the first time I was on this side of seat where I'm like, oh, people actually want to hear my story. That doesn't make sense because I've spent the last, at that point, like seven years listening to other people's stories. Right. Uh, But in that, we did talk about a bit of what ties into this podcast, um, which is the idea of deliberate practice, which we'll get into, but it is a scientifically proven method of – uh, becoming an expert in whatever field you choose by focusing on what you can control and practicing in a really stepwise, incremental, mentored way. Right. Which is super fun. We'll get into it. It doesn't sound super fun, but trust me, it'll change your life. Um, <laughs> and then you and I went on to do – and um, you did basic pitches for a while, and then we did a mini-series on basic pitches, you and I. Was it mm-hmm. four or five episodes? Yeah, it was something like that. Finding the joy is what we called it. And we really went deeper into this philosophy that you and I had really connected on and had in common. Mm -hmm. Uh, This idea of this industry sucks. A lot of times it's hard. A lot of times you want to, like, it's just sucking the joy out of what we do. Uh, It's a joy thief. And one of the Mm -hmm. best ways we can cope with that is by focusing on what we can control. And that is inevitably our craft. Right. Uh, So we've talked about it. But still, like, who the hell are we to think that we should record a podcast? Yeah, yeah. I I, I really don't have much for that. Like, it, your joke about being a, uh, a narcissist, which we know is not true. Um, I, yeah. I, am, I am consistently the person who's like, who the hell am I to talk to anyone about anything? I guess the, the thing I can bring to the table is uh, just a heavy dose of realism and... Uh, <laughs> Blatant honesty to the point that all of us will be uncomfortable. Oh, well, that I love that. I, you know, nothing 
there's nothing I love more than being uncomfortable <laughs> with overshares in particular. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think we have any intention of taking ourselves seriously on this. No. Anybody who did listen to our mini series on basic pitches is aware that we have uh, – I'm not going to call it a bad habit because that's a judgment. No. We have an interesting habit of sometimes speaking in voices that we can't control. Yep. Oversharing. Uh-huh. Uh, Especially about hygiene habits. Hygiene habits. Uh, one of us hates showering. I'll give you uh-huh. a hint. It's not uh, I took a shower today. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> you know, I just – this is off topic. I just read an article about celebrities who don't take regular showers and – Yeah. It was really encouraging. Didn't Jake Gyllenhaal yes. just get blasted for it? Because he's like, I don't remember the last time I took a shower. And people yeah. were like, <laughs> And Brad Pitt was like, yeah, I just grab a baby wipe. The <laughs> – <laughs> so I'm not there, people. I'm not there. Uh, but it's tempting. I see that light. Anyways. The, the word yet is uh, <laughs> lingering. I am on, anyway. on deadline right now, and that makes it much harder to shower. You're like, hmm, these baby wipes are pretty cheap. <laughs> I mean, showering's like 25 minutes. I could be writing. Um, okay, let's – are you ready for the seven minutes in uh, um, narrative heaven I challenge? I am ready to time you. Oh boy, me first. Okay. All right, give me the rules. Make up some rules here, Anna. The theme is how it started and how it's going. Ooh, we should have practiced this. <laughs> yeah, we should well, have. It's okay. We can right. cut this. Okay. We can restate all this. We no, 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 no. I'm 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 perfectly comfortable with this. I like I, I like this. the challenge of like Okay. Feel like I'm on a tightrope. How it started, how it's going, and give me some highlights. And give me some low lights. I'm setting an alarm here so I can see it too, so you don't just like completely screw me over with time. Okay, I got my notes. Okay, you're ready. I don't for know me? any of them. I'm ready. I'm I'm ready. All right, let's go. So, my name is Lissa Mia Smith. I am the author of Ravel, which is a young adult romantic fantasy that came out uh, in February 2023 from HarperCollins imprint Balzer and Bray. Woo! <laughs> I didn't want to cut into your time. But I also don't want you to monologue for like seven minutes, right? Like I don't want to monologue for seven no, minutes. No, yeah, no, that wouldn't be so interesting. Um, okay. And I would get very nervous. So, but yes, I I did not start with Ravel. That is far from my first book and hopefully far from my last. Um, so how it started, I began writing uh, after I finished graduate school. So I am a clinical psychologist. I have my PhD in clinical psychology. And I got that right at a, right straight from undergrad. So essentially, I went to school uh, for many, many years in a row. And I've always been an avid reader, uh, particularly YA, but I will read anything. And so when I finally had time to like read again, I read voraciously and I caught up a little bit on like what was out in YA. And this was like 2012-ish, um, where YA was really like pumping out dystopian love stories. I was all about it. It was a real golden age in YA. So anyways, I'm wasting a whole time talking about the golden age in YA. I have so much more to say. Okay. This is how it's fun. It's so fun. And then I was writing, writing, uh, reading, reading, reading. And I had free time literally for the first time in my life, like, and not just for a summer, but I had prolonged free time. Like I was working, but work was so much easier than being a full-time grad student also working. Uh And so I, um, my best friend who's an English teacher was like, you know, we should try to write books before we turn 30. Uh, that would be a cool challenge. We're all about like bucket list stuff. And so we gave it a shot and we both did it, but not before we were 30. Um, and I absolutely loved it. Like I, I can remember sitting there the first few times, like I have no idea what I'm doing. 
And just eventually a story came out of me and it was really like one of those like based on a dream and a moment in a dream and wrote this whole, what I now understand is like a YA cli-fi romantic uh-huh. thing. Um, had so much fun with it. And then I like was addicted and couldn't stop. Um, so through a friend who was also writing that I kind of didn't realize was writing, like an internet friend of mine, um, she got me onto writer Twitter, and then I started learning about the industry that way. Uh, and then from there, that's how I learned to query. That's how I learned about pitch wars. Um, so pitch- Are you ready for a future in which people talk about writing Twitter and they're like, who would ever go on Twitter? What a piece of crap. <laughs> who would ever go on Twitter <laughs> as an artist? No, it's It was so a true. great place, I promise, at one point. <laughs> it was okay. It was It was good enough. It was good enough. It was good enough. Been, it did yeah. its job. It did its job. It, <laughs> it connected people. We're done. Yes. Okay. It's dying slowly. Oh, my God. This is so – I have four minutes left. I'm doing so bad. Okay. So fell in love with writing, tried querying, tried pitch wars, which we – I'm not going to use my four minutes to describe, but we will describe it. It's a mentorship program. Did not get in the first time. Cried my eyes out. Was terribly upset and didn't write for almost six months after that. Uh, wrote something new. Dove into craft this time. Got craft books. Got story genius, which I will swear by. Uh, and tried again. Re- I read a ton of books and tried to figure out how they worked, what made them tick. Tried again, wrote a YA science fiction fantasy. You're seeing a trend with my wife. Uh, ro- uh, science fiction romance, yeah. rather. Uh, got into pitch wars with that, which means a mentor picked mine uh, in order to help me make it better and then query agents. Uh-huh. Querying did not go well after that. Um, I was really proud of the manuscript and it's still strong, but it did not get me an agent. Um but at that point, and this was like my real like coming to the light moment because I looked around and at this point I had plenty of writer friends, which was cool because in Pitch Wars I met a lot of people and they were getting book deals and they were getting agents and they were getting movie deals and all of my dreams were coming true for them. Uh-huh. And they were just as insecure and miserable as I was. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was uh-huh. in a bad place. I was in a, you know, I'm on my third and a half book, my whatever it was. And like, I've spent seven years doing this and I'm not getting any, you know, any traction. This industry is out to get me. They don't want me. Right. Um, and they and everyone's better than me. I'm never going to do this. And they were feeling the same way in a very different point. And that's when I dove into okay, I can't lose writing. I love writing. How do I protect my love for writing uh, while also continue to pursue (laughs) my dream of being a published author? Because I'm not going to drive myself crazy. And that's when I read lots of, you know, used my psychology knowledge and did research on happiness and the pursuit of happiness and realized that's when I discovered deliberate practice, which we will get into, and realized, oh, if I just really enjoy the journey of trying to get published and really focus on goals in my control, which is like, hey, I want to be even better. I want to be even better. And I want to be able to read this and feel like it's a real book, even if no one else wants it to be a book. Right. Uh, and that worked for me. And so I started writing, ditched my contemporary I was working on and started writing a crazy Moulin Rouge inspired romantic fantasy in Prohibition era New York with um, magic and murder and mystery and most of all, like, romance and forbidden romance. Um, and it was over the top with all these strange magics and time travel and all this weird stuff. And applied to Pitch Wars again while that was still a thing because I knew there was some part of it that I couldn't exactly get right. Uh, and this was a real um, – oh, God, I'm totally going to go over. I'm really no, trying. No, it's great. No, I'm really mm-hmm. going to try, but I can't. This was like a real uh, – 
I actually, during this, I got an offer on the previous Pitch Wars book that I had given up on. I got an offer from a from a small press, small to medium press, um, like a, an R&R sort of offer. Like, hey, if you're willing to make XYZ changes, like we think we can publish this. And I had already finished whatever draft of Ravel and had a real moment of like, that wasn't my dream. The sounds and I cried. I was so excited. I called people. I was like, I was so excited that I had an offer. But I bet on myself and said, no, I, I promised myself I would do this for the craft. And I know Ravel is a stronger book. And I'm going to see what I can do with Ravel and go into pitch wars with Ravel, etc. And so I really like that was like another pivot moment for me of I'm just yeah. going to let craft guide my decision making here. Wow. And I'm not going to learn as much from this small to medium press <sighs> as I could if I take my stronger book and just kind of bet on it. Uh, and so I, did. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I, I don't think I realized that. Like, I yeah, don't it's I, a, I don't, that. I haven't talked about it often because I don't never want to put down a small press. I mean, some of the, no. my favorite books are from small presses. Some of my favorite authors published with small presses. Uh, it just wasn't the, I had moved on. I had moved on and my craft had grown. So I felt like I was going to go back and revise a book that I had written when I wasn't as good as I was then. Right. Um, so that is seven minutes and I'm still going to talk. Can you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I failed. Let's see if you pass. Um, so that book ended up being Ravel. Uh, Ravel did much better querying, and I was able to sign with um, my agent, Lauren Spieler, in, I guess this was like, was it 2020? It was like a crazy time. Was it 2020? 2021. Yeah. It was like May 2021. Okay. Um and that was after querying for about three months, which during those times, still the same thing. I started writing something new and I was really battling that feeling of hopelessness that you get mm -hmm. when you put something on the trenches and you start getting those no's. But I ended up getting a few yeses um, and went with Lauren. And we and I went with Lauren because she's an editorial agent. And again, Kraft was guiding my decisions. And I'm like, you know what? I want to go with the agent who I think is going to teach me the most because even if this doesn't get me published, if it's, it's not this book, like if I keep getting stronger again one day, like correlation, not causation, but it's going to be a lot harder for this industry to resist me. Right. If I'm as strong as I could be and if I keep yeah. growing. And so I learned a lot from Lauren. We threw it out for submission. I, like I told you, I closed my eyes and said, I have already queried very recently. Like you were just going to don't tell me any no's. Just tell me if a yes ever comes through. And I started working on the next thing. And after a couple of weeks, I got a call from her that we were going to auction and that Ravel had offers, which was truly the most insane moment of my life. So wild. Completely wild. So in terms of highs and lows, um, high would absolutely be getting that call from Lauren. Uh, uh -huh. It was it's it's just as wonderful as people talk about it. Like it is. And she her policy is like we didn't we talked on the phone, but I didn't like have her number she, until you get that call. So I got the call uh -huh. from an unknown number and I was like. Hello. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> uh, and it was just amazing. So, yeah, so we sold Ravel at auction to Balzer and Bray. Uh, and I chose that editor over the others because, ta da, craft. She told me mm -hmm. I wanted, I typically do about five rounds of revisions. And I have friends who like have literally cried to me that their editors do five rounds of revisions. I'm like, that's my dream. That's why I chose this because I wanted right. the person who'd help me put out the best possible book I could. Um, and it's a two-book deal. And so right now I am chugging away at book two, trying not to put too much pressure on myself to make it's it fine. even better and continue to grow. Um, so I broke Sophomore all the rules. Novels. Sophomore novels, absolutely a thing. Uh, I broke the rules. I went over seven minutes. I did not answer. I answered how it started and how it's going, and I answered a high. My low would probably be when I had to read 
the subtle art of not giving a fuck and self other self-help books about happiness because I was so miserable <laughs> and I kept getting, you know, I had a, I I think I acquired 112 passes before I got my yes. Ooh. On various books, but I think it was 112. Yeah. Uh and so it's just been really cool now for a couple of years to be on the side of things. Um and I could talk right. I could wax on forever about how much I love being a published author now, I really fucking love it. Um, Ugh, it's awesome. I'm jealous. Well, well, we're One not going to... Yeah, I'd love to, I know. I know it's going to happen to you. It's just a matter of when. Well, hopefully. So, Anna, I'm going to set a timer for you. And okay. I'm going to give you some rules. I'm, I'm ready. change them. <laughs> You're going to change them? I'm going to change them so that you don't okay. have any warnings. I had no warning. Okay. All right. I want how it started, how it's going. Okay. And I want your highs and lows. <laughs> Wait, you didn't change <laughs> no, shit. I can't think of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I want you to make it rhyme. I don't know if I can. Do that. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't rhyme for seven minutes. My name is Anna, and I wrote a good book. <laughs> it's about cooking like a banana. <laughs> oh, Wrong. it has a grumpy boy, and it has a cook. Ooh, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> keeping that forever because oh i can't believe i did that <laughs> i'm not witty okay is it my turn yes ready I'm nervous and go- yeah no it's nerve-wracking this especially nerve-wracking it is we're Who gonna judge you to there's gonna to be me. a report card i'm gonna send out a survey and go oh god my heart is beating so fast uh so i started writing uh, when I was in college, so I came to it a lot later. Like some people are like, I wrote when I was a child and I was too busy playing pretend in the woods uh, to worry about that. Um, so I started writing in college and that was when I was like deeply obsessed with like middle grade literature and mm. I didn't, you know, I wasn't like too into YA. And then I learned that the things that I were trying to, that I was trying to write were uh, YA <laughs> and I started reading YA more broadly and was like, oh yeah, this is it. This is where I want to be. Were you like, oh, I like middle grade, but a little bit older and maybe with a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. It was literally like, I want this, but I want it more kissing and I want it more violent and I want it a little bit older. So only and this I was existed. like, what could possibly be that? What age bracket? I don't know. Um, so I wrote a bunch of projects and abandoned them. And then the first one that like did it, like went anywhere. Um, I also submitted to Pitch Wars. It was uh, early, early days um, of Pitch Wars and early, early days for me as a writer. So it was shit that I turned in. Um, and it was a paranormal romance that if I look back at it, my eyes will probably just like fall out of their sockets. It's that bad. Um, but I was given a piece of advice. I had one partial request from a very loving, wonderful human being. And they told me about save the cat. And that was my kickoff, um, into, oh, this is a lot more complicated than I thought it was. I can't just like write wherever my heart wants me to go. I need to like dive into this. And also because I have like a background as an educator, I'm always into like scaffolding. Shout out to my other educators who understand that term. Um, Wait, let me try it. Hold on. Scaffolding is, no, I only know it from when I use scaffolding is like giving enough support where someone could do something independently. Absolutely. Oh, that's how you meant. Okay. Yeah. Scaffolding (laughs) is like, like, how do you do that in a plot? Okay. I get it. Yeah. 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 No. So it's like scaffolding for like for myself as a writer is, you know, it's the giving myself tools. So it was like, okay, I want to be a better writer. I want to figure this out. So 
save the cat it is. Let's learn how to beat, like, write out some beat sheets. How to beat the cat. How to... (laughs) (laughs) Well. Uh, uh, Okay. uh, uh, I'll write that book. (laughs) Maybe not for Wyatt. Um, so I revised that book and it was still shit, but I turned it into pitch wars again the next year and, uh, not a single request from that one. Um, yeah, it was pretty bad. Cried a lot on that one, put it away. And then I decided, well, let's switch it all up because I'm a kind of person who, um, as all my friends know, um, I burn the house down. Uh, every single time I write something or revise something. So I was like, let's burn everything down. And instead of writing one point of view, let's write six points of view and let's make it a YA sci-fi space opera go. Um, So I did that. And that was really kind of an exploration into can I plot a book? And then also can I dabble around with characters? What can I learn Mm. about them? Um, Wrote that, applied to Pitch Wars, and had the most wild experience of my life, which was um, people wanted it. A lot of mentors wanted it. All and the mentors wanted it. Yeah, that you every single to. every yeah. single one. The war in pitch wars is when mentors fight over a manuscript, and that yeah. was your manuscript. Which is why, which again, will sound like bragging until I finish the story because this is this is the thing. So that happened. It was great. I got to choose my mentor, um, who absolutely taught me everything I needed to know about pacing and character reveal and world building. Like there were so many things that I learned from that experience going into the showcase in which agents can like, you know, then request your manuscript. I had two requests, um, from agents. Yes. Just two. That's it. And um, so the and average then, at this time, just to put in perspective, would be what? Mm-hmm. Like, I think for my year, it was like for YA Fantasy, it was like 14 or 12. Yeah. yeah. So two, yeah, two was, hearts. I know yeah. that because I had like four my first time around. So, uh-huh. Yeah. It's awful. It's an awful, awful feeling, especially at that time where agent requests were live. So the moment it happened was the moment everyone in the world could see it. So I went into this, you know, it was one of those, I truly went in it with all eyes on me kind of thing. And, uh, just fell flat, just fell absolutely flat. So that was querying. It died. It died in querying. Um, and that was really hard to pick myself back up because I was like, I don't even know what I like to write anymore. Um, I don't know if sci-fi is it. So then I tried a fantasy. So we're getting closer. We're getting to the ballpark. Um, and it fell flat, (laughs) um, as well, but I learned a lot about, how not to write romantic leads who end up looking like pizza boxes or having the dimension of a pizza box. Um, And then that didn't go anywhere. The next one didn't go anywhere. Um, Both I submitted to pitch wars and just nothing happened with them. Um, And then finally I wrote, I kind of entered what I call the fuck it book stage, um, which is none of these things have landed for me. I have found out that I like writing fantasy. I also like all these other things like Great British Bake Off, um, weird science-y medical books, uh, Sad Sad Boys, uh, Fierce Fierce Girls, and uh, lush world building that feels like it's like a Baz Luhrmann movie. Oh, Um, I just got chills. I know. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to throw it all in there. Who knows? And there's a murder mystery. Deal with it. Um, (laughs) And I wrote that one and submitted it to Pitch Wars as a like last minute Hail Mary kind of thing. I'd gotten it to the point where I was like, I don't know what else to do with this. And then was chosen for Pitch Wars, which was like, I didn't think it would ever happen again. And it did. 
And I'm very blessed with a wonderful mentor who really allowed me to learn a lot of tools to be more self-sufficient, which was like the thing that I, I was like, I don't even know what I need anymore. And um, my mentor really found out like, this is how, you know, you know, these things are wrong. Here's how you figure out how to fix them. Um, and went out in the showcase and that was like the most nerve wracking thing of my life because it was like, this could, it's going to happen again. It's, it's going to be zero. It's going to be nothing. Like mm. it's not going to happen. And it did, it did well. It did. Um, it did very well. It, it did very well. Yay. And yay. And the wild thing about that, I was like, okay, I guess we're going to go into the query trenches. I had friends who were getting agents and things were happening for them very quickly. And oh no, I'm, <laughs> I'm not my alone story. in my failure. Damn it. Keep going. You're on a really roll. Good. Keep going. I was speaking really fast. Too. No, no, um, I know. That's a, like, yeah, we could both go. No, you were good. <laughs> um, so, and that's the I thing with the- pitch was now that I know we have more time to interrupt you. Right. The, the mind fuck was that for both of us, once we did it twice, we were familiar with this, but it got, it got us both times, all four yeah. times between us. People get agents within 24 hours and it's something within like- Within 24 hours. And like, if you have a Pitch Wars class of like 100, which was about the size that we both had, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's something like 20% of people get agents in the first couple of days. Like, it's insane. It's in, yeah. There are just offers everywhere you look. There are offers except in your own inbox. Yeah. And I think even during our pitch wars, there was like somebody was agented within 24 hours and they had sold their book within the week. Oh my gosh, that's it right. It was something like that. Like it was an odd, like, like fantastic for that person. But for the, for a lot of us, it was like, what the fuck? And it kind of skews your vision of like, okay, how fast should this happen for me? So like, I think that's the blessing of having gone through pitch wars once and then literally falling on my face <laughs> and like dog shit is like well in the rain it does in the rain with the whole world watching with the entire world it's on the jumbotron and everything beyonce is there and i'm crying the obamas are shaking their heads oh no <laughs> shame right wouldn't that be the worst obamas. yeah barack I is like looking down at his proud. feet and just like that kind smile is just shaking his head i'm sorry <laughs> you sorry. let down the obamas i love you mr president Damn, this is sad. I know. So my first book in Pitchwars let down the president. My second <laughs> book, my second one. So going through querying, it was like there was a point where I was like, "This is it. It's over. It's done with." I've reached. I've you know. I'm yeah. I gave up very easily, which is part of my querying journey. Is I give up very easily. I don't query for long. Um, and then about a year ago. Uh, Almost a year ago, while we're recording this, I got an offer for a call with my agent, Mike Whatnall, um, and changed my life, changed my life. So I've been, in the last year, um, revising this book with them, and they have provided such amazing insight, and hopefully will be in the submission trenches soon. Very soon. And they are a particularly scary. editorial agent as well. They so, are so yeah. editorial and it's wonderful. And I think that's the thing that I loved about the call with them was it's a, almost a partnership of we figure out what we want to change about this and how to make it sell and to make it the strongest version of what my vision for it is. And I wanted someone like that and I have someone like that. And it's, they constantly push, they constantly bring up things and question. And I love that. I love that for you. Uh, well, you know, there are a lot of similarities in our journey. Like Pitch Wars mm-hmm. Twice is very unusual and we both did yes. it twice. Um, Pitch Wars is gone, by the way. 
It died. Yeah, it's dead. It's dead. Well, frankly, the people who ran it did so out of the goodness of their hearts for like a decade. Yeah, that's not a slam saying it's dead. No, it's no, sad it's... that it's dead, and we understand. Like I understand why it's dead. That was it became such a monolith. Like it became such a monster to run. No, it was really. I mean, at its prime, which was probably your year. I've, every year there were more and more people applying, and I think at its prime it was like close to like 5,000 applicants in 100 Good spots. It was like 4,500 or something. Um, yeah, and it was – I wanted to resurrect that baby so much because it changed my life and because Pitch Wars focused on – they were ahead of the curve. They really focused on craft and the quality of your work among anything. They constantly told us the goal is not to get an agent or a book deal. The goal is to better your craft. Yeah. And they had a history of choosing books like our first ones that didn't have much of a market, science fiction, romance, which you and I can argue to the death with the rest of the world that there's quite a market for. However, they took they took chances on books not for the sake of a book deal or austerity, but because they wanted writers, they enjoyed stories and wanted writers to get better at them. Right. And I see that like now stepping back, I think about that first Pitch Wars experience and it that's why it worked for me. I know it didn't work for everybody, but that experience worked so well for me because it was someone who deeply cared about sci-fi and was a person who could, I don't know, I think she saw something in me that I didn't see mm-hmm. and was like, there's something here. And let's see if we can polish this up as much as we can. And if I can teach her something, that was the kind of attitude. Which is wonderful. And it was an opportunity mm-hmm. for validation before the query trenches even. Like, uh-huh. there are so few. I can't think of any other opportunity. I mean, even getting a partial your first time you applied, I got I got a request or two the first time I applied and didn't get in. And that was – I was like, wow, someone – thought my words were good enough that I was in the running. Yeah. I mean, I cried when I didn't get it because I was like, I am going to get it. And I didn't. Yeah. Um, but there are – like querying writers now don't have – I can't think of an opportunity for validation that's not a full request or a partial request. I, I, I truly like – I think about how bleak it was that querying a year ago. It was so – it was the bleakest I've ever seen. Post-pandemic. I've been querying for a while. Yeah. There were so many things heavy going on in the world that you understood yeah. why things were slow. It was the over – I mean, truly, I – don't use this word often, but I think the oversaturation of querying that there are just more because of the pandemic, people were at home writing, more people are querying, which means more that agents have to read and slush through. And fewer and agents because of the pandemic. Exactly. And people uh, exactly. The same is true, frankly, for for sub and also debuting. Like the the way the industry is run now is really like a throw spaghetti at the wall. They buy it. They buy more books than ever. Uh, and give them fewer editors than ever. So the editors uh-huh. are busier than they've ever been, like overworked and underpaid. And marketing budgets are nothing of what they used to be. It's like the marketing yeah. budget hasn't grown, but the you know they're publishing 50 times the amount of books or something. Mm-hmm. So truly at every stage in the game, you feel like you're, you're elbowing for a little bit of space uh, and that the odds are stacked against you. But I do think it's important to point to what's difficult at every stage in the game because that is the philosophy behind this podcast which is exactly this industry will give you a thousand reasons to quit and that's okay i've had i've had writer friends quit i've had plenty of writer friends quit mm-hmm. 90% of authors don't have a book 6 there's nothing wrong with that i i would love to see people quit the way they quit crocheting or the way they quit 
tennis or the way they quit whatever hobby they have uh, because of time, because other interests took them away, because the creative joy that they were getting from it passed, not because, fuck this, I feel like a piece of shit, this is never going to happen for me, uh, I'm the worst, that's what breaks my heart, and that's a, a different, quitting is, is fine in either circumstances, but I wish those were breaks, and as a psychologist, I can't help but look for the silver lining and the idea that if we could just, if you write for you, which is like the cheesiest thing ever, but we hold on to it and we, you and I constantly have to bring ourselves back to it because this is a, this is an ongoing struggle for anybody. Right. This isn't a state of mind, you know, craft as a coping mechanism isn't a state of mind that just like exists permanently. We have to constantly bring ourselves back as we get sucked into the BS. Right. There was a thing you said earlier in this podcast that I was like, listen to you, you sound so zen. And then I know that is not always the true all the time. And I think that's the beauty of this podcast is that I, th- I don't, neither of us will have our rose tinted glasses on. We want to keep it real without, yeah. without it being, we're going to have fun. We're yeah. going to have fun. It's not like, we're not going to have like a gripe fest or anything. It's, you know, it might be a gripe fest and then it'll be like, okay, how can I fix this? Right. <laughs> what right. can I do? And I how love do I a good back? gripe fest. Don't get me wrong. It's oh, some of my favorite, duh. like publishing podcasts are a great fest and we need that. We need that, but I need to listen to those. If I occupy that space for too long, then I'm going to quit and I never want to quit. I love this. uh Um, But one thing we should mention while we're talking about like our experiences in the industry, kind of keeping our head in the lane and correlation versus causation is that we're both white cis authors. Yeah. Right. So the struggles that we have experienced in this industry have not been because of our race or because of our gender identity. Right, right. And so it, I think that's important to keep in mind for listeners of color that we, you know, this it, it does limit our perspective and we're going to try right. to be as aware of that as possible and not uh-huh. to minimize how much more difficult this industry can be for people right. who are trying to get stories out there from voices that we don't hear from enough. Right. Uh, and so if it's hard for us, we recognize it's even harder. It's even for harder. Other people. For other people, exactly. Yeah. So we'll keep that in mind for sure. That this is our lens, that and this is the limitations of our lens. Right. So yeah. So this our journeys both kind of we we at some point got down to basics. You with Save the Cat, which was a big one for me too, mm-hmm. and then me eventually with Story Genius, and we started to teach ourselves how to get better. And then at some point we realized if we just kind of keep our head in our lane and focus on this. We do get better. We're good learners. Right. Both of us are. It's important. Like, we're both open to feedback, very open to feedback, and mm-hmm. like to learn. So we're lear- good learners. Our craft gets better. Our writing grows. And if good things happen, then great. But we can't control them. The only thing we right. can control is the quality of our writing. So the more we, like, sink ourselves in your little – if you can make some more pig noises now, that would be great. There you go. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Do I need to be like Ralphie from, uh, not Ralphie, but uh, <laughs> his brother. kid brother from uh, Christmas Story where he's like. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We have to be pigs in mud about it. We have to just like get messy in the nitty gritty of what makes story good because you and I love to nerd out on that stuff anyways. We will have fun talking about it. You will have fun listening to it. Uh, we'll learn something. We'll share what we know. Hopefully people can share what they know with us too. And mm-hmm. we keep the, you know, we keep our eyes on our own prize in that way. Right. Keep our chin up. Keep our chin up. No matter where we're at, we just focus mm-hmm. on getting better and and sharing what we've learned because we have been at this for a while. We have both used 
craft as a coping strategy for a very long time. Right, and, right. And I think we both have like very different approaches to a lot of different very. topics. So that'll be good to provide tools for other people. Agreed. Uh, so those different tools that we have bring us to our first topic, our first episode, which is characters. characters. The best place to start. Character, character building. I think I... I mean, we'll get into this in the episode, but you start with, do you start with character or do you start with plot? It depends. Um, but usually I start with character. I I start. You have a person in your mind first? Uh, no. I usually have a plot device in my mind or I have a setting in my mind. I'm usually a setting and then I'm like, that's cool as hell. Let's go from there. But then very quickly it is, okay, that's cool as hell. Who lives here? Who's mm. on the out? Like, and then this is something I'll bring to our episode is uh, V.E. Schwab has a thing of who's on the inside and who is on the outside. <gasps> oh, I can't wait to hear that. Yeah, it's going to be great. Good. I love talking about it. Ugh. Yeah, I start with a plot. I start with like a particular plot point or like a dilemma. And then I try to put people in it who would maximize the stress of that dilemma. That's so good. But Meg Long starts with a character, and I've always admired Whoa, that. Yeah, she starts amazing. and she puts them in the worst possible situation for them. So it's just interesting Whoa. approaches to character. We kind of like got our groove in there. I we did. Yeah, right. It we was just like great. clicked into like our banter. Hey, we did it. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed this very silly hour of podcasting. If you came here for the writing content, never fear. Our first episode about character is up right now. The usual pleas of podcasters apply. If you like the show, give us a follow over on Instagram. It's turning to story, all one word. Subscribe via your favorite podcasting app and give us a rating. We so appreciate you. Now, on to the next. <laughs>